0: From the studio in Sun City, Arizona Boomer Radio presents Wealth DNA with Ron, the Ronald Naraki. Wealth DNA gives you insights and methods for increasing your net worth. Ron's experience dealing with local and international markets give him insights that can be valuable to any investor. Now, here's the host of the show, Ron Naraki.
1: Welcome to the Wealthy and Air Radio Show. We're honored, as always, that you're joining us today. We're continuing our series of shows focused on retirement-related topics, and I'm absolutely certain the topic will be relevant to each of you of our listeners, excuse me, includes you, of course, whether they're 8 years old or 80. The only exception I could think of are those folks who plan to die before they retire, And those who have their own business and are absolutely certain they'll be earning more than they spend until the day they die. And for those of you who feel you're in one of these two groups, it turns out the show is also relevant for you. Because you see, there are two and only two guarantees in life, death and computer failures. So while you plan, God laughs. And you just have to worry about outliving your money rather than your money outliving you. So... Work on Plan B. This is our first show in the month of May, and you may have heard the old Wall Street adage, sell in May and go away. That saying is obviously geared to the stock portion of your portfolio, since stocks don't tend to do well during the summer months when both institutional investors and many of the Wall Street traders take vacation. Now, if we really had confidence in this old adage, we would not just sell, we'd sell short or buy put options to make money while we're on vacation, but I don't trust it that much. In many ways, that saying is now technologically obsolete. Just 30 years ago, it would have been difficult to keep track of your investments while on vacation. And about 25 years ago, it would require you to take a Quotron Terminal or a BlackBerry with you, and some of our listeners know what I'm talking about. But today, getting instant quotes on stocks, ETFs, or Cocoa Futures is no problem on your laptop, pad, or even on your telephone. Now, on the other hand, all of this real-time information and the apps for that, they're causing investors to become speculators and traders rather than true investors, I don't know about you, but while I'm on vacation, I want most of my portfolio to be on autopilot. I'd rather enjoy the scenery, culture, food, and wine, especially the food and wine, than worry about what the Dow, the DAX, or the Nikkei are doing. Likewise, retirement should be like vacation, where we do what we want to be doing. So unless your hobby is trading stocks in a portion of your portfolio, then delete that app, get rid of that $40 a month Data feature and enjoy life, your hobbies, family and friends. I'd much rather meet with friends in person, even if it's just for a walk, than update them on Facebook or send them a text message. Now, if you do need that data feature to listen to the Wealth DNA Radio Show while you're driving, it may be worth keeping. During this series of shows, I mentioned you probably don't know your exact longevity since you don't have an expiration date stamped on the bottom of your foot. Now, if you're not 100% sure, feel free to remove your shoes and socks now to check. Well, let me correct that. If you're sitting in a restaurant or walking around a construction site, you might want to leave the shoes and socks on for now and check for that expiration date later tonight. Who knows, this might turn out to be a great icebreak. When you meet new people, you can ask if they've ever checked the bottom of their foot for an expiration date. And if not, you could offer to check theirs. and They could check yours in return. By the way, if you do find an expiration date on the bottom of your foot, please let us know. We want to have you on as a guest on a future show. Also, we're still searching for an entrepreneur who make, became a billion—I'm sorry, either a millionaire doesn't have to be a billionaire—a millionaire by watching television. Again, we'll invite them on a future show. Now, whether you're on the U.S. West Coast or in Arizona, where I am, and you're sipping a cup of coffee. US East Coast, where our guest is, and it's your lunchtime. In Europe, and you just ended your work day, you're somewhere in between, or you're listening to the archive of the show. I know you'll be glad you joined us for this hour. Even those folks that didn't think they needed this show. If you're listening to the archive in 2026 or later, well, you'll have some hindsight to decide how it would have changed or to kind of realize how it would have changed your decision-making and how it would have helped you increase your wealth in those last 10 years. On the Wealth DNA Radio Show, we focus on the fundamentals of investing and providing great ideas for building and protecting your wealth. Today is no exception. I like to start each show by sharing a quote to set the tone for a show's topic, so here's one for today's topic. A whole generation of Americans will retire in poverty instead of prosperity because they simply are not preparing for retirement now. Let me repeat that. A whole generation of Americans will retire in poverty instead of prosperity because they simply are not preparing for retirement now. This quote is from Scott Cook, one of the co-founders of Intuit. And this quote clearly applies to Canadians, Europeans, Asians, and many other countries and regions as well. Today is Monday, May 9th, it's 9.05 in uh, Arizona, 12.05 on the East Coast. and That's, of course, p.m. It's the only day I ever like it, so we'll do everything possible to make it a great one. you're listening to the Waltania Radio Show, I'm your host, Ron Naraki. Your show airs every second and fourth Monday at 9 a.m. in Arizona. If you didn't receive a reminder of the show, you should connect with us on Twitter or Facebook, where we can post reminders. Just connect with The Ronald, put together as a single word. We'd like to thank our sponsor today, BI Solutions Corp., a residential real estate fund in the Phoenix Scottsdale area, for helping us put together and share this information with you. I certainly hope you can join us each time we air, but if you miss a show, you can find them in the archive. Just go to wealthdna.us, where we list each of the shows, both upcoming and archived. Now, we welcome your comments and questions during the show, and uh, I did notice that it was up. There. There's a chat window below the radio player if you're on the, through the internet. Just go ahead and scroll down. There is a chat window there, and you're able to put in your um, uh, questions and comments, and that way we can get them on as well. You could call in. That number is 917 388 4162, and that number is shown at the top of the internet screen. And then you have to dial a 1 to be connected to our producer. Now, since our last show, the U.S. equity markets are down a smidgen. That's a technical term, by the way. Today, the U.S. markets are off to a flat or an undecided start. I'm sure they're waiting for some tips from our guest. Asia was mixed. Europe, which just closed, was mixed, but I'd call it mostly positive. And Brazil is down more than 3%. I hope you don't have too much there, or maybe you're shorting the market. Our guest today to discuss 12 keys to retirement planning is Roger Allen Friedman. He's Managing Director of Stewart Partners Global Advisory and a Wealth Manager with Raymond James based in the Washington, D.C. area. He's been in the financial services industry for over 30 years and outlasted some of the companies he worked for. Originally, was with E.F. Hutton when everyone listened, which became Shearson Lehman. He was still there when it was renamed to Smith Barney and still there when it became Morgan Stanley. It's nice to outlive your company. Roger is also the author of the book Forging Bonds of Steel, which we'll talk about when we bring him on the air. Let's give a warm radio welcome to Roger Allen Friedman. Welcome, Roger, and thank you for joining us today.
2: Ron, I'm very, very happy to be here. Let's have a great show.
1: Great. Now, I gave a brief overview of your background. How do you introduce yourself at a cocktail party?
2: Well, not that I go to any cocktail parties, but if somebody did ask me what I do, I'd probably say I'm a retirement income strategist, wealth manager, and author.
1: Okay, so now you have another tip from my uh, intro. You could also ask them if they have an expiration date on the bottom of their foot.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) It might
1: work. I I, I don't know why that came to me today. But anyway, you're with two different financial services companies. I I think that's somewhat unusual. How is that, and don't the two roles conflict?
2: No, not at all. Um, I am a a founding partner of Stewart Partners Global Mm -hmm. Advisory, which was, in fact, created by my ex-branch manager at Smith Barney. And we contracted with Raymond James Financial Services to provide the needed trading platforms, compliance, um, safeguarding of securities, et cetera.
1: Mm. Okay, so it's actually kind of a a joint venture to some extent, and you're in both pieces of it. Okay, excellent. You know, your book, Forging Bonds of Steel, was published back in 2014, as I recall,
0: Exactly. Explain
1: what bonds you're referring to. I assume it's not corporate or municipal bonds. And by the way, I don't want it to be confused with some light, late night TV commercial for the newest super glue for only nine ninety five. And you're among the first one thousand callers. Call us now. So it's probably not either of those. What are these bonds of steel?
2: Well, very simply, uh, this is a book about your relationship with your financial advisor. And as I remember going into Barnes & Noble or Borders when they were open and looking at the books in the financial section, there are so many books on investments. And Mm -hmm. Lord knows I did not need to write another one to add to that collection. (laughs) But what I didn't see is how to optimize, how to make a really great relationship with the people that are charged with helping you craft your retirement, craft your wealth plan. That I did not see, and each December for the last 15 years or so, I read my favorite book, which is Atlas Shrugged by Ayn Rand, Mm -hmm. and as I was reading the beginning of the book, I was reading how Reardon Steel in Pennsylvania is pouring all this Mm -hmm. molten steel, and they were forging the steel, and I was Uh thinking to myself, I know something about Forging bonds as well, you know, something that would stick for 10, 20, 30, 35 years. And I got it in my head that Hank Reardon might forge Mm -hmm. bonds of steel, but I forge bonds of steel with my clients. And that's when I picked up a paper, got a pen, put down the book and started writing.
1: Excellent. Now, I assume uh, financial advisors could read that book as well and look at the opposite side of it, how they can uh, help create those bonds. So I assume it's a two-way street.
2: Absolutely. Matter of fact, I've been told by a number of people in our industry that this should be required reading for financial advisors less than 10 years in the business, although I never intended it to be for that audience.
1: Okay. Now you, you told us a little bit about kind of how the title came about, what got you started, but what inspired the the book in the first place? I mean, something while you were reading uh, Ayn Rand's uh, book, which is an excellent book, and obviously takes up a whole month of December, if not, uh, if not exactly, long ago, it's a heck of a long book. Uh, I've usually done an audio tape, but nonetheless, what was the inspiration? What did you see in the financial services industry that maybe was part of that inspiration?
2: Well, one of the inspiring moments was when I met with my branch manager. Michael Moore, who's now the CEO of Stewart Partners Global Advisory, you know when we were back in our Smith Barney days, um, we had had a discussion regarding the fact that I had many clients uh, that had passed away over my 30-year career, but that I was dealing with their beneficiaries, their sons, their daughters, uh, brothers, sisters, etc. And when I put pencil to paper, it turned out I was still dealing with over 90% of the families of the original clients that had passed away. And I never really thought anything about it. But when I told him, he indicated that that was extraordinary mm-hmm. because most assets leave the firm after the parent passes away and the children inherit the money. hmm with me, it was just the opposite. And it occurred to me that I must know something about forging great relationships with the families we serve. And that's when I, the idea just started rolling around in my head that I had something to write about.
1: Very interesting. Okay, before we dig into the specifics, and there are a lot of things we want to cover today, would you share with our listeners how they'd contact you and learn more about you and also about the book?
2: Absolutely. Uh, they can find me at roger at forgingbondsofsteel.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, alternatively, my direct dial is one 800 3450 Okay,
1: excellent. So forging bonds of steel. And one of the things I should bring up, although most people have saw the announcement, maybe they didn't pick up on it, there are multiple ways to spell names. And, Roger, yours does have a <laughs> D in it, so R-O-D-G-E-R. I just want to point that out, because if you put the uh, uh, R-O-G-E-R, I'm not sure if your system's been set up to, to gear it to you. Right, to, my uh, sister
2: Donna G-E-R. convinced my, my parents to put a, a D in the middle, and people have been misspelling my names for the last 59 years.
1: Well, both legitimate spellings, no question about it. it was, uh, so it's uh, R O Donna G E R. Okay, got it. Uh, that'll. That's. I'll remember that. Now, if if in your book you use the analogy of a coach, and it is an interesting book, I haven't quite quite finished it yet. But uh, I often see investors or your clients, if you will, on the other side of the, 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 the table, take much more of a passive role than than viewing the advisor as a coach. What are your thoughts?
2: Well, you know, I I have a strength training coach three days a week, and Brian mm-hmm. makes me do things I do not particularly want to do. He pushes me to go further than I would go left to my own devices. Likewise, when you have a financial advisor, or better yet, a financial advisory team, I liken their role to coaches to help you so that you achieve a better outcome than you would just left on your own devices, because when you have a coach, you're basically renting someone else's experience and knowledge, and you're able to ramp up very, very quickly rather than left to your own devices.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, it, is an, it is an interesting analogy. I, just, uh, I, I think if, if people did use just that aspect of it, they could already be ahead a little bit to realize that they still control their destiny, uh, but they do have to use a, a coach to help them, as opposed to kind of handing over the role to the financial advisor, which I guess I worry about with, with uh, many investors. Oh, I I'm,
2: I'm right there with you. On the one hand, you cannot be just passive. It has to be a collaborative relationship. I remember a long time ago, I listened to a Tony Robbins tape, and -hmm. he spoke about going to the doctor, and where most people put their lives in the hands of the doctor and do whatever the doctor says, never thinking to question them or to get a second or third opinion. Mm -hmm. Your life is in your own hands. Likewise, your finances are in your own hands. And if a financial advisor does not do the right thing, well, you're going to be hurt They may be hurt, but you're definitely going to be hurt. So it has to be a working relationship with collaboration.
1: You know, well said. And you just reminded of another thing, um, do you have some tips in the book about how to avoid working with some of these inexperienced, or even worse, uh, kind of the advisors whose yes. primary focus is working, you know, for themselves yes. and not for you? Okay, so that is that's that's helpful because I think that's one of the biggest risks. If somebody has one bad experience, they may, uh, you know, say, "I don't need a financial advisor; they're more trouble than they're worth." So, okay, that <laughs> that is another good reason to, to to make sure I finish the book. Now, some recent legislation was passed to kind of force financial advisors to only recommend investments which were in their client's best interest, exactly down these lines. Although I understand the rules are limited to qualified retirement plans, uh, do they do enough, and have you had a chance to review these um, uh, the new legislation?
2: Well, I was speaking with somebody uh, in the compliance area about a week mm-hmm. and a half ago, and it was interesting because he told me that, you know, first of all, it it, it does... Uh, it does uh, you know, look at qualified plans. It looks at IRAs. And I was told that the regulations and rules are about 1,360 pages long. Wow. And the person that I had spoken to who was in a compliance area said he was up to page 350. Wow. So yeah, that's, it, that's it's going to take a sure. while to get through 1,300 pages of new rules and regulations. So I cannot begin to tell you that I've gotten all the way to the end, but I've started it. And the thing is that we have to figure out how, as an industry, we are going to abide by the rules and regulations. There's a lot of work that has to be done at all the firms to make sure that they abide by these new rules. Any
1: feel for at least a guess as to what percentage of advisors are kind of those bad apples who recommend investments based on their commission rather than the client's best interest?
2: Oh, I I wish I could tell you, uh, but what I can say is I hope every single one of them are weeded out of the industry this week because just like, you know, a bad doctor or a bad attorney, they give the whole industry a bad name and let let them all become bricklayers, nothing against bricklayers, but let them get out of my industry.
1: Well said. Now, the reason I contacted you in the first place is uh, you did a special report, The 12 Keys to Successful Retirement Planning. For space purposes, we called it retirement planning, but it's successful retirement planning, which is I would even emphasize that. It's a great way to wrap up our uh, series on retirement-related topics. How does this special report tie in with your book, and is there a tie-in?
2: Well, it, my book is all about the relationship with your financial right. advisor. Uh, But one of the things that, you know, I've seen over the years, and this is through 33 years of practice as a financial advisor, is that many people go into retirement without talking to a financial advisor, which I do think is a mistake. Mm -hmm. But because of the accumulated knowledge that I've gotten over the years, I thought to myself, let me write a special report. Let me give it away for free and let me talk about the keys to success that I have seen. And so I wrote, you know, maybe a page or two about each of these keys, and I'm sure that there are more. I'm sure I left some things out, but I thought it's a great beginning that I could share with people to help them focus on the fact that you have to be proactive to be able to have a great financial, you know, retirement. And if I could help them, then that's something I want to do. All
1: right. Well, let me use that as a pause to, to remind our listeners you're tuned to the Wealth DNA Radio Show. I'm your host, Ron Naraki. I look forward to you joining us every second and fourth Monday. Now, if you've missed some prior shows, like the shows in our series related to retirement planning, you want to re-listen to them, we maintain an archive of shows on www.wealthdna.us. If you'd like to get an email reminder of the show, send an email to me, ron at wealthdna us and we'll keep you posted about future shows and events or you can follow the ronald nose basis on twitter or facebook we'd like to thank our sponsor today bi solutions corp a residential real estate fund in the phoenix scottsdale area for helping us put together and share this information with you now during the show we welcome you, you yes you and all of our other listeners to ask questions easiest to start a chat in the area below the radio player or you can call in 917-388-4162 you do have to dial a 1 after that to get to our producer it's also shown that same number is shown at the top of the screen our topic is 12 Keys to Retirement Planning, and I'll even add Successful Retirement Planning, which we're discussing with Roger Allen Friedman. He's the author of Forging Bonds of Steel. He's Managing Director of Stewart Partners Global Advisory and a Wealth Manager with Raymond James, based in the Washington, D.C. area. He's been in the financial services industry for over 30 years and outlasted some of the companies he worked for. If you don't want to know what I mean by that, go back to the beginning of the show, and I'll explain it. Now, Roger, here's a novel idea. Let's start with the first of your key principle. How does that sound like a good sequence?
2: Wow, what a strange place to start at yeah, the beginning.
1: I, you know, I, I was trying to figure <laughs> out if there was a there was a logic way to do this, and I realized it's written in a logic way. Let's use it. Uh, now, the first one says you must pay yourself first. Explain that one and some of the specifics around what percentage you recommend we pay ourselves.
2: Well, you know, this... To many people, seems very simple and very easy, but the point is, not many people do it. Most people will spend money uh, during the course of the month, pay all their bills, and then they may decide to save whatever is left. There is another type of person that saves first and then spends the remainder. Okay, I'm I'm one of those second group, but. There, there are many people out there that say, I cannot save, I don't make enough money. Well, uh, let's bring it down to the absurd. Let's just say you made $20,000 a year, just to pick a number out of the hat. Yep. Does that That's mean you cool. cannot save 1% of that and live on 99%? Okay, figure out a way to be able to do that. And then gradually over time, Figure out a way to live on 98 percent of your income, then 97 percent, etc. The most successful people I know save between 15 and 20 percent of their income or more. So what many people would, would like to do as a, as a goal is to get to the point where they are saving 15 or 20 percent, because it's going to help them. It's not going to help others. It's going to help them.
1: Okay, and start small, I assume. And I think you had mentioned even start with $0.03 cents out of the dollar. Uh, exactly. To get it started and ramp it up. Okay. And, you know, it's not surprising, I guess, that the first principle is that one. in the very very, very first book I recommend to do investors is The Richest Man in Babylon, which focuses <laughs> on exactly that topic. I think it's a, a well-written story. So, you mean uh, you don't
2: I, ask a blacksmith for a financial uh, guidance? <laughs> <laughs> that's right,
1: that's right, yeah, you know it's just uh it's uh, it's amazing how some of these basics are well written out there a lot of people just aren't aware of them that's one of the things we try to try to you know bring to them, and also uh it's nice that you start it right on that point uh, because without without some savings there's not much you can do
2: yeah uh, and so there, there's there's two things to be aware of um mm-hmm. the statistics tell us that roughly sixty percent of us have less than 25000 in retirement savings. And that is a really dismal statistic because so many people will be living hand-to-mouth, will be, uh, you know, looking for the Social Security check each month and then looking for part-time work, perhaps at a big box store or a fast food restaurant. You know, I'll tell your listeners, go to my website, forgingbondsofsteel.com. Download the free special report. It's theirs. It's a gift. Perfect. Now,
1: the second point is an interesting one, and actually I, I'll just read the first part of it. It says, recognize that you are an amateur. So it sound, sounds kind of scary. Tell us a little bit about that. Go ahead and feel, feel free to finish the title if you like to. Uh, but explain that one to us.
2: Okay. Uh, very simply, I remember I was taking a course at Brian Tracy's office In California about a year and a half ago. And on the fly, we had to create a speech that would be seven minutes long, and we'd have to uh, give it in front of the class. And everyone had to come up with, with a theme for the speech. And I thought to myself, well, I talk about retirement all the time, and so many people are amateurs on this. You know, doctors, dentists, truck drivers, colonels in the United States Army, a journalist, it doesn't matter what they do, but the point is, you know, do they have the knowledge to craft a retirement income strategy that can last for them and their significant other for perhaps three decades, uh, during which time we have inflation and your costs may be rising 2 to 4% each year or more. So, again, you could be a great colonel, you could be a great journalist or software manager, but you don't have this skill set. You're the amateur in this area. So I would tell them, go find someone who has this skill set because you can't afford to get this wrong.
1: That's well said. I guess I would add to that list, uh, probably most notable would be those uh, entertainers and uh, sports uh, folks that you know earn a ton of money and never learn to manage their money, and, and often get scammed by somebody that's helping them. And all of these things go wrong because they're really not paying attention or learning the stuff or using uh, the right
2: people. So, and that, they're the ones uh, that are on the headlines of USA Today, exactly,
1: exactly. And they're they're, they're probably nose noseable, but you know it's it's hard to lose that much money, but somehow they manage to. Let's move on to the third point here, which is uh, begin your comprehensive planning a minimum. And I won't answer that. I won't finish that piece of it. But how (laughs) early do I need to start? You know, is it is it at least six months before retirement?
2: Well, Tony Robbins taught me to say, when would now be a good time? Okay. (laughs) Yep. Okay. Many many times. Yep. Now is exactly so. You know, I I would tell someone 10 to 12 years, but I actually would want it way before then. You know, for example, when I was still a little junior auditor at EF Hutton back in 1980, I started putting money into a traditional IRA because the people in the department said, you need to do this, okay? It's smart financially. And at the time, and Ron, I'm sure you remember this, mm-hmm. the only amount that you could put into an IRA was $2,000. Correct. The amount was set in stone. It hadn't gone up ever. So I I thought about that and said to myself, I don't have $2,000 right. to put into an IRA. I, I put in $600 because I didn't have $700. Mm-hmm. But I knew that I needed to compound that money and all future deposits over decades and decades and decades so i put it into something that i felt would grow something that was diversified and i said i don't have a plan now but mm-hmm. let me at least put the money to work the plan will come later but let the money start working now and that's, that's, and that's, and that's what i feel is a really great great idea
1: Yeah, exactly. It goes back to your first point. If you don't start putting some money aside, uh, then the rest of this planning is is kind of a moot point. So having the perfect plan and no money, this uh, just doesn't work. But uh, okay. So 10 to 12 years is kind of where your recommendation is. Uh, Understand. And uh, here's an important one. Next one. Here is number four. Understand that you must plan for retirement that could last for 30 years or more. I guess one of those things that people just don't think about uh, longevity enough, except or they're looking at the bottom of their foot. Uh, so, <laughs> in this chapter, though, in this section, it, it, it deals with more than just that thirty years. There's more going on in this uh, in this section. Yeah, Tell us uh,
2: about thirty that. years is the uh, the uh, the tip of the iceberg. The insurance uh, industry tells us that for a sixty-two-year-old couple, non-smoking, good health, mm-hmm. that the average joint life expectancy might be thirty years. In English. That means that the second of the two to die may be at age 92.
1: Correct.
2: So you or your spouse may live to age 92, in which case you need to plan for a potential three decades or more in retirement based on your genes and your lifestyle. So the question becomes, if I look back at statistics and I see that over the last 50 years that inflation is averaged between 3 and 4%. Mm-hmm. And granted, inflation is low now. But what if we have a 3% annual inflation rate for the better part of your retirement? If you needed $50,000 a year of retirement income today, you'll need a bit more than 65000 in 10 years. And in two decades, you'll need a bit more than 87000 So here's my question, oh, those, Ron. Those compound, yeah. Yeah, what are you going to do to make sure that your income in retirement rises at least as much as the rise in the cost of goods and services? That's when we ask that question, we get the deer in the headlights looking (laughs) back at us, because no one has a strategy to deal with that.
1: And there are not not enough jobs at Walmart to to ensure that that's uh, still possible. Ron, Ron, do you have
2: a problem with being a greeter?
1: No, I uh, if if uh, if I you know could could stand on my feet that long, uh, I probably would. Uh, at least you need orthopedic to shoes
2: people. like my dad had at the laundry.
1: That's right. Just think how many could, people I could ask if they had a uh, expiration date on the bottom of the foot. I'd really be a popular. You,
2: greeter, I'm you'd sure be a popular fella. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. No. I, okay. So so well said. Uh, the amount of time is obviously a factor. The inflation is is, is very very key uh, there. It's and very a, real. It leads into the next one, which says don't ignore the potential cost of long-term expenses. Now, since mortgages tend to go away during our retirement, especially if we're retired for 30 years, uh, we don't spend more on suits for work. At least I uh, I don't even uh, do that much anymore, even though I'm only semi-retired. Uh, I, spe- I suspect you're referring to health care.
2: Yes, absolutely. Uh, long-term care or catastrophic health care, is something that most people are either, A, unaware of, or, B, they don't plan for, because just to review some basics, Medicare may be a temporary solution for up to 100 days of Mm long-term care expenses, and health care insurance does not pay for what is termed long-term care when people need help or assistance with what are called their activities of daily living, or ADLs for short, okay? Now, Medicaid, that's for the impoverished, because Medicaid is actually a welfare program. Last but not least, Obamacare was never designed to cover long-term care expenses correct. because it can't. It is too darn expensive, mm-hmm.
1: All right, well said. Now, one of the questions I want to ask you in here is uh, we had a show recently on on, um, Medicare. And, and, you know, how do we factor in, because the long care is one one aspect, but I've also got medical expenses that are indeed, you know, partially covered by Medicare. So either my long-term care is going to take up a portion or or maybe all of my uh, retirement savings or... Uh, the amount I have to pay in deductibles and copays and those kinds of things is e- mm-hmm. going to eat up a chunk of it. Uh, you know, how do I balance those two? Is that should that be part of my plan of how much supplements, uh, how much of a supplement I buy on my Medicare, uh, so that I don't need as much long-term care or vice versa? I mean, it, it seems to be a trade-off between the two of them a little bit in terms of of how much of my uh, retirement. Ron, I'm I'm, over.
2: I'm glad you asked that question. Okay. Healthcare expenses is one of the primary things that we talk about when my partner Joe Wong and I create uh, comprehensive financial plans for the families we serve. And what I would recommend that your listening audience take into account, you know, for example, my team, we have a chartered retirement planning counselor, that would be me, mm-hmm.
0: we have a chartered
2: retirement plan specialist, and a certified financial planner. So, what people should be looking for is credentialed expertise rather than, in my view, what used to be called the stockbroker. Because stockbrokers, generally speaking, are not schooled in these areas. Healthcare expenses may run into the hundreds of thousands of dollars for retired people over the next 10, 20, or 30 years. And my sense is you want people that have the expertise the certifications and the learning uh, to be able to have those discussions and help plan strategies that make sense
1: interesting point and we had uh, a guest from the American college actually a few times on this show and one of the, wonderful
2: uh, organizations
1: oh yeah, it definitely is and it's always a good place for for reputable folks since they do a lot of that certification but they said one of the lar- you know the fastest growing certifications is indeed this uh, uh you know related to the to the retirement is the uh, Certifications there just because I guess the baby boomers are getting the older. The baby
2: boomers, they're moving through that pipeline. Yes.
1: Yeah. So the demand is there, and of course some of the financial advisors are in that group, so they're retiring at the same time that that demand is growing. So <laughs> very true. Two way street, like the doctors. Okay, let's move on to the next one, and this is another one we happen to have a recent show on, uh, but I think it's it's definitely worth touching. Recognize that there's a wide variety of social security claiming strategies.
2: I I'm right there with you and. You know, one of the things that I say, it should be fairly evident that it would be a poor choice to stroll down to the local Social Security office and sign up without at least acquiring a little basic understanding of the rules, because there are hundreds, if not thousands, of rules to Social Security. So if you're looking at your calendar and saying, well, I turned 62 on Friday, on Monday I'll stroll down, that's a bad idea.
1: Yeah, totally agreed. And, and as we found out from Mary Beth Franklin on that show, is two of those strategies go away for some of us younger folks that never get a chance to use them.
2: Yes, uh, so uh,
1: they are getting ma- many people be like the
2: file and suspend strategy, yep. but uh, there there are definitely strategies to use and strategies to maximize the amount of payments. So, you know, what I, t- what I try to remind everyone is Social Security is one of the most complicated programs ever created by the federal government. You need help when choosing the right path for you and your significant other although complicated federal program
1: sounds like a redundancy there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll uh, probably agree on that portion. Okay, let's move on to number seven. Understand that by managing a retirement tax strategy, a topic we talk about often, I'll let you finish that heading.
2: Okay. Uh, basically, what you're looking at is how do you boost your retirement income, and it's what is net after taxes that you could actually spend. Let me give you an example. I was speaking with a financial advisor who brought on a new client last month. And he told me, and I'm going to uh, get it basically right, he said this person had about $2 million in an IRA rollover and literally less than $60,000 of investment funds. So literally the vast majority of all of his wealth was in a tax-deferred traditional IRA that came with a tax bill every time he made a distribution. And the tax bill was at his highest marginal tax bracket. So he related to me that uh, the person had just paid for his daughter's wedding, which, by the way, was a destination wedding in Bermuda, Mm -hmm. and that he had implants, you know, at the dentist. Right. And when it comes to oral surgery, that's painful enough. But when you have to take money out of a retirement account – and pay a large amount of federal, state, and local taxes on that, that adds pain to pain, okay, and also paying for the daughter's wedding. The money came out of the IRA, so this person was lopsided. They had no investment dollars to draw on cheaply, and everything was in the IRA. So there are ways, Ron, that I'm sure you're aware, whether using uh, investment assets, municipal bonds, Roth IRAs, Roth 401ks, traditional IRAs, SEPs, etc., etc. There are ways to be able to balance and create a strategy so as to stay in the lowest possible tax bracket in your situation mm-hmm. and to bring money from different sources in certain amounts to keep you in that lowest bracket. But that takes planning, that does not happen by accident.
1: Yeah, and you know, one of the things we mentioned uh, just to mention uh, on that one, especially with the uh, the oral surgery, is uh, you know the HSA can be a big help, especially if you know if you're eligible to have one. So there is a tax deductible contribution you can make by you know tucking the money in there, and that for you, when you're pulling it out, it didn't cost you anything. So there would have been right. you know a simple one by just planning ahead.
2: And consider this for the 2016 tax year, and I believe mm-hmm. I wrote this down properly seventy five thousand three hundred of ordinary income will mm-hmm. keep joint filers in the low fifteen percent tax bracket, yes, and for single filers, the maximum is thirty seven thousand six fifty yes okay, yeah
1: so yeah. it 's a matter of figuring out
2: how you could be under those bars to stay in the lowest tax bracket possible. Maybe you take some money out of the roth. You have your Social Security. Maybe you take some money out of an IRA, municipal bonds, partnerships, etc. cetera.
1: Oh, you just echoed my comment that uh, taxes are not a guarantee. We just have to make yeah. sure. And
2: yeah. I speak about this at length in the 12 Keys Special Report. Okay. And it's, it's mm-hmm. free if they want it at forgingbondsofsteel.com.
1: Yeah, we are going to bring that up a little bit more here. But before we continue, in case you just tuned in, you're listening to the Wealth DNA Radio Show. I'm your host, Ron Naraki. You can listen to the earlier portion of the archive. If you missed prior shows, you find them on the archive as well, www.wealthdna.us. Today our guest is Roger Allen Friedman. He's the Managing Director of Stewart Partners Global Advisory and Wealth Manager with Raymond James. He's also the author of Forging Bonds or Steel, a book I'm currently reading. Now if you just tuned in you want to go back to the beginning of the show do that right after we finish the same link will take you there our producers really make it easy for you Now when I look to the next point and that's uh, point number 8 I recognize one of the 10 commandments <laughs> recognize that allocating your assets and again I'll let you explain this one
2: Okay um I am uh, a a great believer Uh, that when I find someone who's very, very smart, I want to listen to them and I want to read what they have written. And in this case, David Darst, who used to be the chief asset allocation strategist of Morgan Stanley for many years, Mm -hmm. he wrote a book called The Little Book That Still Saves Your Assets, What the Rich Do to Stay Wealthy in Up and Down Markets. And David Darst is, to me, a master in the area of asset allocation. Mm-hmm. You know, he probably has traded in more markets than other people even know exists. Mm-hmm. And Jim Cramer wrote the forward for his book mentioning that very same fact. Mm-hmm. So I look at it this way. There are some people that say, um, I only invest in fixed income, you know, corporate, municipal, treasury bonds, etc. There are other people that say, uh, you know, I only invest in single-family homes, you know, something that I understand. But what I have found over time is that the mixing and matching of different asset classes makes a lot of sense so that your entire portfolio is not affected when interest rates go up or down, energy prices go up or down, or you have Federal Reserve uh, action that makes, you know, short-term interest rates move back or forth. So you want a variety of effects that affect your portfolio and that mutes the overall movement.
1: You mean energy prices actually can go down?
2: You know, um, uh, I, I heard a rumor. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay, number nine here. This is this one I, I love. and I've got to admit this is probably the ones I feel the most guilty on because I've done it many times in my life. Uh, I do it over and over again. You're not alone. Yeah, and that's that number nine. Never fall in love with one type of investment. Tell us a little bit more.
2: Well, you know, I, I remember the, little, uh, the, the wonderful little old ladies that I dealt with during my Shearson years. You know, they'd have money in CDs, and they would have money in nothing but CDs. Right. And at the time, they were earning well over 6%, 7 8%. Uh, and their biggest worry was what they were going to get as a new interest rate when the yep. current CD matured. That was their biggest risk in their mind. But, you know, even so today, there are some people that say, I only invest in real estate. I only invest in treasuries or I only invest in master limited partnerships. Not that they've done well. But the point is that they get married to one asset class. And who knew that, you know, uh, real estate in Miami, for example, would have gone down by 50 odd percent, you know, several years ago. People did not see that as realistic. And for the people that bought homes and tried to flip them, they ran into a cement wall. They were not able to uh, refi. They were not able to take cash out. They were not able to flip their homes in any short period of time. Likewise, you get got the people that have CDs now. And if you arranged your CDs in such a way so that you could actually have one million of them, Insured at a 1% rate for two years, that's $10,000 of income, not right. exactly yeah. Tom Stanley's millionaire me- next-door lifestyle.
1: Absolutely correct. No, I, you know, I echo that 100%. That is. So exactly it's, a, it's no. a
2: mixture. You cannot fall in love with one type of investment.
1: Okay, so just like with uh, blondes or anybody other hair color, you can't follow. No well comment. As well as just one type. Okay, we'll leave that out of this time. Okay. Uh, now, supercharge your knowledge. Number ten. This is one that we, I think, you're talking about something we bring about, uh, bring up on this show very often. Tell us a little bit about what you mean by supercharger knowledge.
2: Well, you know, th- this goes back to what I was taught. I read a book a week, so I'm good for about wow. 50 books a year. And one of my mentors, Jim Rohn was fond of telling me that, you know, over the course of 10 years, you've read 500 books, okay, Mm -hmm. and you are now competing against someone who did not read 500 books. Who do you think is going to have a better outcome uh, in their career? And, And I took that to heart. But, you know, I'm not asking anyone to become an expert in retirement. That's what CFPs and chartered retirement plan counselors, you know, try to get to that, you know, that level of expertise. No one's really ever an expert. There's always more to learn. But the point is, I want people to become more informed than they are today. Let them buy one, two, or three books. Let them buy them used so they're nice and cheap. Find someone whose vision that you buy into and read what they have to say and discard what you don't like, but use what makes sense to you. But by all means, get informed, ramp up your knowledge.
1: Well, as you were talking earlier, I did write down the little book, That saves your assets. I did wonderful book. On my wonderful. Yep. I, I, I wasn't aware of that one, so I keep learning as well. But you you are definitely in the marathon uh, reader category. That's uh, <laughs> that's incredible. I, I read quite a bit, mostly by audio book for, for time's sake. But nonetheless, that is that's very very impressive.
2: Well, Ron, okay. that that's important because you're talking about drive time university. Yeah, if exactly. I'm in the car, yep. I have CDs running that are that are teaching me.
1: Yep. yep, we've had some of our listeners that actually convert the uh, the show over to either CD or to uh, just download it into MP3. Great idea while they're driving as well. So that's uh, right. not a, not a bad uh, bad way to catch up with the show. Uh, number eleven, take advantage of web resources. Now, wait a minute, this one surprises me. Because I, I didn't know there are websites that are useful other than WealthDNA.us.
2: <laughs> well, you know, Ron, there, there is one or two. Let me okay. highlight
1: them. I'm ready. I'm ready to write.
2: Okay. SEC.gov, the Securities and Exchange Commission. Okay. Uh, when I go to their website, in the upper right-hand corner under education, there's a link to Investor.gov, which is run by the oh. SEC. And that has a monumental amount of information, both for the seasoned advisor The seasoned investor and the beginner who doesn't know a stock from a bond, dividend from interest. It is a wonderful, wonderful resource. No one is trying to sell you anything. True. And this is from the Securities and Exchange Commission. Well, wasn't aware of that one. Look at that. Exactly. Another seven things already today. (laughs) You know, FINRA is the financial regulatory authority. Correct. And I believe the acronym is F-I-N-R-A. So if you go Mm -hmm. to Mm FINRA.org, that has investor education as well. FINRA is a self-regulatory organization, or S-R-O, and Mm -hmm. the money to uh, have their ongoing programs comes from the financial community. But I found that their alerts to investors are, especially with IRA rollovers and scams and things of that nature. They're wonderful, wonderful information, and there's no bias there. All they want to do is protect the investor. So those are two great websites, FINRA.org, SEC.gov, or Investor.gov, that could have a wealth of information.
1: Excellent. Uh, and actually, Investopedia, I'd even list in that list as well, just because if somebody's looking up a definition or trying to understand the basis of something they've heard about, also a good source. Uh, obviously, not as uh, you know thorough or, or or reputable maybe as others, but right. I think they've got some pretty good stuff. Most most things they've been you know pretty accurate on that we, okay. we check on. Um, how about your comment on the uh, – we, we talked in point number six about Social Security. Uh, does Social Security have much useful stuff to get you started on picking which, uh, which strategies are out there for cleaning? Well, they
2: Well, they, they have a lot of good information, and thank you for mentioning that, because one of the other websites is SSA.gov or Social Security Administration, SSA.gov. Okay. And there is a lot of information on there. You could also sign up to get your annual Social Security statement. The Mm -hmm. government tends not to mail it anymore. They're saving about $100 million in printing Mm -hmm. and mailing costs. So you get to put in a password, a profile, download your own, and print your own. But the point is that they do have a lot of information. But one of the things that I want to caution people on, a Social Security uh, advisor in a Social Security office is not a certified financial planner. Mm -hmm. They are not there to recommend different claiming strategies. That is for you and your advisor to figure out. You know, they uh, serve literally hundreds of thousands of people every single day. And it's kind of like, you know, getting turkey at the deli counter, number 34. Okay? So, you know, they're there eight or nine hours, and they're serving – scores of people every day they're not there to give you advice okay well no well said and also it's actually
1: counter to their uh, own personal needs i mean social security would go bankrupt if everybody did the exact right thing so <laughs> uh you know they, they they really don't have an incentive to make sure you make money it's it's uh, it comes out of their you know out of the social security fund with so obviously those employees are thinking well you know i work for the government not for this person Right, But I, I, I know they're there for information. We've talked about that a little bit on, on some of the shows. Okay, this one I really like, and I think it's, it, it, it ties in with one of your early ones. Never let anyone do your thinking for you. And let me guess, you're talking about our spouses in this point, correct?
2: Absolutely not, Ron, and I knew oh. you were going to say that. Okay? Uh, my wife, Rena, I love her dearly. However... Uh, she is not the one I'm thinking of when I'm talking okay. about the fact that you need a collaborative relationship with your financial advisory team. And very, very simple. I've, I've run into people over the years who have said, yes, I invested in XYZ because my advisor told me to. Right. I said, right. okay, I'll call him John. Okay, John, what is XYZ? I don't know. What are the risks? I don't know. Do you get any income? I don't know. When did you get your money back? I don't know. How much is it costing you? I don't know. How much did your advisor earn on it? I don't know. You get where I'm going here, Ron? Oh, yeah, I do. (laughs) You know, just blindly doing something that you don't understand because someone told you to do it. That's not a collaborative relationship.
1: Yeah, buy a lot of insurance and go step off that bridge. (laughs) <laughs> okay. You know,
2: I spoke with somebody uh, a couple months ago, and he said he was talking with an insurance agent. And by the time he got out of there, he had bought six different types of policies, oh, wow. and then he ended up getting rid of half of them. You know, kind of like buyer's remorse.
1: Sure, sure.
2: Okay, but he thought it was the right thing to do while he was meeting with the person. Wow.
1: Good salesman, all I can say. Uh, Probably. To good for the client, but, you know, it gets back to our concern in the financial industry, or at least, you know, that, that has been uh, a concern. Okay, now I left my most important question at the very end. What does this all have to do with peanut butter and jelly?
2: <laughs> I was attending um, Temple one day uh, over a year ago, and the rabbi was talking about peanut butter and jelly. And all of a sudden, you know, I, I, I looked at him like, huh? What are you talking about? And he was basically talking about the fact that someone might make a lot of money and be successful in commerce, but that did not necessarily translate to a good life, a life with blessings. And I thought, how interesting. I, I had never, ever heard that before. And as I was turning that over in my mind, I was thinking, you know, someone might make a lot of money, but mm-hmm. may not be successful in a financially secure retirement. Because, mm-hmm. Ron, you've met people that earn $300,000, $500,000 a year, but they spend as if they're earning seven or 800000 a year. Correct. They're murdered in debt. They don't have any investments. And, you know, they, there's the Mercedes in the driveway with a car loan. There's the boat with a boat loan. There's the several houses all with mortgages and the kids don't have college accounts, uh, and there's no money to be had.
1: Yeah, and the kids are getting used to it.
2: Exactly, and that's what they're learning is the free-spending lifestyle. So this could be a doctor, it could be an architect, it could be anybody, but when they stop working, they figure out they have all these toys that require money to keep them going. They're all liabilities, but there are no assets, It's Mm -hmm. kind of like what Tom Stanley would term "big hat skinny cattle."
1: Yep, yep, or no cattle, almost. Or no cattle at all. all. Exactly. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Well said. So, so uh, uh, money is a piece of it, but obviously, uh, managing it number one, and also learning to uh, to enjoy. Uh, life as well, which I touched upon a little bit, I think, uh, kind of is a, is a key message that I'm getting out of that. Perfect. Yes. Uh, let's uh, remind our listeners how they'd contact you and learn more about uh, both you and the book.
2: Okay. My uh, website and uh, email a uh, Forging Bonds of Steel, which is the name of my first book. Uh, and you could uh, send an email at Roger, R O D G E R, at mm-hmm. Forging Bonds of Steel or my uh, telephone number during the day, 240-800-3450.
1: Yeah, interesting. It's the first time I've seen 800 in the uh, in the actual uh, yes. uh, exchange. Uh, interesting, <laughs> interesting point. Hey, Roger, we've covered a lot of aspects of the 12 keys to successful retirement planning today. Are there some key ones you'd like to add or maybe emphasize some of the points we talked about?
2: Yeah, there's one thing that I'm definitely going to put into my next report or book, and that is the fact that you know when you're trying to save money and you're saving two, three, four, five percent of your paycheck, mm-hmm. also try this: if you get a tax refund or a raise, try mm-hmm. taking one third to one half of that and socking that away in your financial fortress, whether it's a Roth IRA. A traditional IRA, or just in some type of fund arrangement that you might have, rather than spending the whole thing
1: Okay, well said, and I assume if somebody does have debts, then using that to to pay off that debt would also be
2: uh, that would be another, another way,
1: of savings. Yeah, a, another way exactly. Of savings exactly exactly. Okay. No, very very good point. Uh, and remind us, how do I get a copy of? Now you were nice enough, and I appreciate you sending me an actual hard copy, because it's easier for me to uh, to read the the uh, of the uh, planning. Twelve keys to successful retirement planning. Uh, how do we get an electronic version? How do our listeners get an electronic version? They just go on your website, and there will be. They a can there. go to
2: my website forgingbondsofsteel.com mm-hmm. and download an electronic version of the twelve keys to successful retirement planning that your parents didn't teach you.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I obviously didn't read the whole thing to to, to folks. but Yeah, uh, most people is, are in uh,
2: retirement planning on the street, right?
1: No, uh, exactly right. Now we've talked about <laughs> this in the whole financial literacy, and it's a real problem because we don't have uh, – we need it all our lives, but we don't get taught this stuff, and most of our parents aren't aren't skilled at it. They were amateurs too. Very true. Uh, well said. Roger, it was great having you on the show, and I hope you'd join us in the future to talk more about the book or about another of your excellent special reports.
2: I'd be glad to, Ron. Thank you. All right. My
1: pleasure, and great having you on. Okay. Now, if, if you weren't sure you should be thinking about retirement planning already, I'm sure you picked up some ideas to get you started moving in the right direction. Start with number one, paying yourself first is a great starting point, even at the age of seven or eight. And I can assume you it's far better to start thinking about retirement planning today than waiting until you're retired and out of money. That's the worst time. Regardless of your age and where you live, I certainly hope you saw the importance of addressing these 12 key points. So often we get caught up in developing a plan following some step-by-step formula, and we lose sight of the big picture, which these important points really do cover. I like the balance between point two, admitting we're amateurs, and point uh, 12 to not. Never let anyone do your thinking for you. And yes, despite kidding about spouses, both need to be involved, not one doing the thinking for both. I do think we should at least have a professional review our plan or be a sounding board during the development, but not hand it over to somebody and develop and manage our money as if we were cattle being led to slaughter. Gee, that was a bit dramatic of an analogy. Anyway, I highly recommend getting a copy of Roger's special report from his website we discussed today, the special report we discussed today, and uh, using it as a framework. Make sure your plan considers each of the 12 points. Don't just read it once, but refer to it periodically, and especially if you're refreshing your plan or after it's finished, uh, because it may be time to go back and revise it you've missed some of these uh, and I think what we'll do is add the uh, uh, link to our website and see if we can, we can have that done. Uh, if you're having uh, or you had had difficulty in finding the right advisor, I certainly recommend getting a copy of Rogers' book, Forging Bonds of Steel. The next best advice I can give any English speaking saver and investor around the world tune into the Wealth DNA radio show every second and fourth Monday. Regular listeners know that our objective is to share the fundamentals of investing, provide great ideas for building and protecting your wealth. Our mission is to help you and one million other people become millionaires. Hopefully you now see why I chose Scott Cook's quote. A whole generation of Americans will retire in poverty instead of prosperity because they simply are not preparing for retirement now i enjoyed roger's addition to that concept with uh, peanut butter and jelly the plan is necessary but not sufficient for being happy during retirement we certainly want to be successful financially and happy throughout your life enjoying what you do and doing what you enjoy i certainly do and of course that includes chatting with you a few times a month if you miss part of a today's show, or you want to recommend it to friends, or miss some of the shows in our series on retirement-related topics, link in the announcement will take you to the archived version, and of course, you'll find the past shows on WealthDNA.us. I'd like to thank our sponsor today, BI Solutions Corp., a residential real estate fund in the Phoenix-Scottsdale area, for helping us put together this show. Among other things, they help investors diversify their portfolios so they don't need to check the market and stock prices while they're on vacation or during retirement. The next Wealth DNA radio show will be on the fourth Monday of May, Monday, May twenty third, nine a.m. Arizona time, same place, same time. We're behind on getting our upcoming show scheduled since we're short handed around here lately. We're looking for a new scheduling manager to join us and hopefully that decision will take place by our next show. You can check the, the full lineup of guests and topics on WealthDNA.us. You'll also find the archive of past shows there. If you have some comments or questions about the show or others, you haven't received my emails reminding you about the show, send an email to me, Ron, at WealthDNA.us. Always look forward to hearing from you. Or you can follow us on uh, Facebook or Twitter. Just look for The Ronald. No spaces in there. We'll keep you posted about future shows and events. Happy investing and preparing for retirement.
0: You've been listening to wealth DNA with Ron Naraki on Arizona Boomer Radio. Arizona Boomer Radio is produced by the Boomer and the Babe Incorporated and can be heard Monday through Friday. You can sign up for their online magazine at boomerandthebabe.com. reach the boomer and the babe email host at boomer the or friend them on facebook.com slash boomer and babe and on blog talk you can friend them at blog talk radio.com slash boomer and babe follow their tweets at twitter.com slash boomer and babe be sure to make the second half of your life the best half of your life and remember at 50 you're just getting started